Hello and welcome to the Sewing Room Podcast, episode 13, recorded on October the 20th, 2016, and brought to you by Vicky Hibbins of Bishy Barnababes. I can't believe it's been a month since the last recording of the podcast. I had a look both on the Bishy Barnababes um, website where the podcast is hosted and got out my notes from the last podcast and was shocked that it was a month ago that I last recorded. I knew that I was running behind and hadn't kept up to my fortnightly schedule that I had hoped to achieve, but hadn't realised it was quite as bad as it was. So thank you everyone who has hung around and are listening. And I'm sure glad that I finally posted another podcast and also welcome if you are listening to this for the first time and just joining us in my sewing room. Life just seems to get so busy and time just flies by. So for some personal news of what's been going on in all of that time that I haven't been podcasting, we still have not sold the house. I know many of you have been listening to the ongoing saga of us trying to sell our house. We put it on the market back in June and we still haven't sold it. We did sell it once and then it fell through and we're still awaiting hopefully somebody who is going to want our house. We've had this last week, some more viewings and one couple that lives locally has also come back for a second viewing without their little boy. It's very difficult to do house viewings with children. I know, I have my four-year-old and they came back for a second look without their child. So that's definitely promising, but still we're not actually at the point of somebody wanting it so that we can go and decide what sort of house we would like. Having seen several that we really liked... And these all fell through because we hadn't sold ours. I've actually completely stopped looking now. The other downside of trying to sell your house is having to clean and tidy, ready for a potential buyer when they come round to view the house. My house is not normally a huge mess or anything like that, but you obviously want it to be looking really, really good because as they say, there's only one chance to make a first impression and you want that to be a really good first impression. But as I was cleaning again um, earlier this week and just trying to get everything done and put away all the things that seem to have got left out since I last did it, etc, etc, I'm sure you understand, I was just getting so fed up and I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this again. I want to be over this. Please, somebody come and buy our house. I'm so ready to be done with the whole house buying and all of that side or other house selling. I'm really looking forward to actually going to be able to look for a house. But at the moment, I'm so fed up of showing people around and just having to have the house ready, particularly as it means having to tidy my craft room every time, my sewing room, and put the machines away and make sure that it's not covered in stray bits of cotton that have come off my latest project and all of those sorts of things. I have, however, been able to get some sewing done and I'll tell you more about my latest achievements achievements a bit later in the podcast. Autumn has also settled in well over here. Um, We don't get quite the abundance of red leaves on the trees as I've seen in some states in America and perhaps in other places of the world. But the leaves are gradually a few at a time changing colour and falling. It's been much cooler and definitely a lot wetter. One of the reasons that England is so green is because of how wet it is over here. And we've definitely seen a lot of rain recently. And again, that's not the best time to be trying to sell a house. I've also done some volunteer training to become a seal warden um, with horsey seals. 
I live about 45 minutes from the coast where I am in Norfolk and the coasts that we have around here are beautiful. About half of our county, much smaller than states in America, but still, you know, a separate entity, if you like, within the UK. Um, Nearly half of our county is surrounded by sea and the different types of seaside places vary enormously. And one of these places has sand dunes. And every year, around about from now through till the end of January, a lot of seals start arriving on the coast and they come in um, in order to give birth to their seal pups. And last year, there was about a thousand seal pups that were born and they get about 500, sorry, I think 50,000 to 80,000 visitors every year. And obviously, the seal wardens do a great job of helping people to learn more about the seals, making sure that people stay safe. I hadn't realised quite how dangerous seals can be in that they have very sharp claws on the end of their um, flippers. And also, if you get bitten by a seal then it requires some quite drastic um, antibiotics and things that are not the normal strain and requires very specialist treatment so that you don't actually lose a limb um, from where you've been bitten. Not that obviously seals are usually out to attack people, but if a dog was to go down and bother them or people were to go where they're not advised to go, then obviously you can't predict what's going to happen as at the end of the day they are wild animals. So I've been excited to finally do my SEAL training. Tried to do it last year and got all booked in and then my daughter was so ill that I couldn't leave her. So great this year that I've finally done my SEAL training or my training to be a SEAL warden, should I say. And I'm looking forward to being able to do some stints volunteering there over the next couple of months. So really looking forward to that as I adore SEALs. And it's great to be able to help there and keep both the people and the SEALs safe. On another animal note, our dog has got to go and see a specialist vet. She has allergies, so regularly sees the vets and had some problems um, a few weeks ago with excessive itching, which turned out to be some kind of yeast thing. We've had to give her special washes and things. She's a five-year-old Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and we adore her. I bought her because I was having problems conceiving and kept pestering my husband, who'd always had cats. I really, really wanted a dog and we couldn't buy a child, but I could buy a dog and I could give all my maternal instincts over to the dog. So he finally relented and we bought Hattie and I conceived the follow- within the following month. So I do thank thank her for being the instrument, if you like, that allowed my body to relax so that I could finally have my own child. And she is very, very dear to us and a wonderful dog. And we've been taking her, as I said, to have her allergies looked at. And they've now discovered that she also has a heart murmur. And Cavalier's heart murmurs are one of the things that they look for because they are prone to heart disease. So next week we have got to take her down to Newmarket to a specialist to get it all checked out and see whether it is the start of this heart disease and whether she'll need medication and obviously all the side of things that are going on there. So another reason why things have been so hectic recently is taking her to the vets a few times and also now having to have this appointment next Wednesday. Um, Hopefully they'll be able to see what they need to. I'm just so thankful I have pet insurance so um, don't have to worry about the financial side of it and we can get her seen by the person that needs to see her. 
So all in all, what with supply teaching every so often and everything else that's been going on, I still have not managed to finish the book that I'm writing all about math game for home math games for home educators. I try to do it in the evenings. Um, I'm just so tired. I often want to go to sleep as soon as I put my daughter to bed. And obviously I haven't finished working on any of my patterns either. They're all still there partway through, frustrating me that they're not just going to finish themselves. But I'm sure at some point, hopefully in the very near future, I will be able to get going on both of these things and get things finished. The other Bishy Barnababes news, though, that I am very excited to share with you is that Bishy Barnababes is going to be one of the featured designers for the PDF Love on the PDF Pattern Sales and Promotions Facebook group. I know this is one of the larger Facebook groups, so you may be a member of that particular Facebook group and see the different patterns there. And every week they have pattern designers that are the sponsors for that week, the featured designers. And on the Wednesday, people are able to post photos of something that they have made from that designer with the hashtag hash PDF love. And they are entered into a competition and one of the entrants wins a pattern from each of the designers that's there promoting it for that particular week. And I'm very excited to announce for the first time, Bishy Barnababes will be one of the featured designers next Wednesday, the 26th of October. The designers change over on the 21st, so that for me is tomorrow, but it could be and completely different day from whenever you actually get to listen to the podcast. But the banner changes on the Facebook group and Bishy Barnababes will be displayed there. So if you have made something already from Bishy Barnababes, now is the time to make sure you've photographed it and get it put up there next Wednesday, the 26th of October, so you can be in with a chance to win um, patterns from several different designers. As a result of this, I'm also offering a coupon code so that if you haven't bought one of the Bishy Barnababes patterns and would like to buy one um, in the very near future and get something made so that you could join in that competition, that would be great. And so the coupon code, which I will link to my Etsy shop in the show notes, the coupon code is PDFLOVE and that will give you 20% off any of the Bishy Barnababes patterns. And that coupon will be valid until Thursday the 27th of October, and that's UK time. So just to be aware, if you're in a slightly different time zone, to make sure that you get in there before that pattern is no longer available. So it will be available on Thursday the 27th, but that will be the last day, and then um, it will be back to normal prices again. I really love seeing different things that people have made. It's great to see my patterns being put to use. I know some of you come and share your patterns and things that you've made in the Bishy Barnabas Facebook group. And obviously, if you're not a member of that group, would love for you to join us there. There are a few free patterns in the file section as well. So head on over if you've not already joined and share your patterns with us. 
As I mentioned earlier, I have managed to get sewing done at the moment in amongst all the other busyness of things going on. Although there has been some sewing that I've been putting off, as I came into the sewing room today, I spotted a little pile of mending. Several of my daughter's tights that she wears, the seams have gone in the gusset area and I need to sew those back together. And although they're really quick jobs to do, I still just keep looking at them and thinking, oh, I'll do them a bit later until obviously she suddenly needs a pair of tights and there's no clean ones ready to wear. And then I'll have to be doing them last minute. I must get round to them at some point, but I have been choosing to make generally more exciting things. I have also made seven pairs more of the scrundies for her, the underwear pattern that I talked about in the previous podcast. But I have to say I found them so boring to make this time. She needs lots of pairs and I had bought a lovely piece of fabric from one of the D-Stash groups selling knits in the UK and was really keen to make her some scrundies with it. And I used a conveyor belt method. Um, I'm trying to think whether there's a proper name for it, but you know what I mean, where you do one bit of everything and then go on to the next bit and do all of them. And I was so bored by the end of it. And I have to say, I did not enjoy sewing these scrundies, but they were definitely needed. We were running out of ones that were the right size as she seems to have grown out of several of her other pairs. I really don't know why that happens. I made loads and loads of pairs all in the same size. And it's just as if different fabrics have shrunk at different rates and she's been growing out of the different fabrics at different times. So originally there was like one particular fabric that was then too small and then there was another fabric and it's gradually getting so I know she really does need the next size up and I'll have to find time to make some more. But I just can't face it. I don't want to be sewing something that I'm not enjoying That's another reason why I know that I don't want to make things to sell. I would get so bored doing the same thing over and over again. So those of you who do sew the same sorts of things all the time, definitely admire you for being able to do that. And it's not something that I would want to have to do. What I have been enjoying sewing are coats. I've never made a coat before. I'm not sure why. Possibly the amount of fabric that would have been needed to make one for myself or perhaps even being a bit daunted by the thought of making a coat. But last year, probably in one of the sales, I bought the Wild Things coat by what was then Big Little and has now become Twig and Tail and had never got round to making the pattern last winter. So I decided this year I would like to make my daughter one of these coats for her to wear to church or out and about when I wanted her to wear something a little bit nicer than her waterproof coat that she wears to Montessori and playing in the park and things like that. I adore rabbits, so decided to make the rabbit version. I didn't even let her look at the pattern and see the huge um, list of animals that she could have chosen from. Partly I didn't fancy doing the unicorn, which I know would probably have been her first choice, as I didn't want to be dealing with all that wool for the mane. Just decided, no, I just couldn't be bothered to go there. And as she loves rabbits too, I knew she'd be happy with a rabbit if she hadn't seen all of the other options. The pattern comes in sizes 1 to 14, so I know that it will last quite a long while yet and look forward to making more of these coats in the future when she gets bigger and needs other sizes. 
It's able to be printed with layers, which is one of the things that I love about PDF patterns. And I'm often a bit disappointed if I now open a pattern and discover there are no layers on it. So printing with patterns. There's a contents page with clickable links. Lots and lots of detail in this pattern with different sections for um, all the things that you would need to know in order to actually um, complete this pattern. You do need to jump around a bit at times because there's so many options. Although the kind of main assembly of the coat is in one section. There's two different hood designs depending upon where the ears need to be for your animal and obviously there's all the extra things like the mane and the horn and all sorts of other variations depending upon which animal you're doing and you have to then jump to the right place in order to do that. It's pretty straightforward though if you are using um, one of the Adobe readers or anything that allows you to click on those links and jump to them. There are also details about recycling clothes to make one of these coats and I know that many Many people have used old wool blankets, obviously not old in the sense of old and ragged, but ones from secondhand stores, shops, consignment, thrift stores, all of that sort of thing enables these coats to be made very cheaply and also to look very beautiful, I have to say, with many of the things that can be recycled. I would, however, like to have known what the recommended button size was. I think because it comes in so many different sizes, this pattern, and because the idea is that you can recycle things in order to make it, they haven't actually put what size buttons are required for the different sizes or even like groups of sizes, you know, one to age, one to three would suit this size or whatever. And I did find that tricky as I tend to go and buy all my fabric together in one place and then want to be able to buy buttons that will go with the fabric at the same time. I don't like taking my daughter to the shops more often than I need to. Um, last time we went to the fabric shop in my parents' um, town, the mannequins in the window were somewhere that she could get to. The floor was completely flat. There wasn't any like separated part for the shop window display. And so she was standing in the window next to the mannequins, pretending to be a mannequin. And the shop owner was not very impressed. And I think we were about to get thrown out if I hadn't managed to make my purchase really quickly. So as you can see, there are times when a four and a half year old going shopping with you is not ideal and buttons are very exciting and I would rather avoid having to do a second trip in order to buy them. As it turned out this time, when I did get the coat finished, because I didn't know what size buttons I would need, I did actually have buttons, enough buttons in my stash already, so didn't have to do a second trip, but would have found it nice if there was some kind of recommendation as to which side I, size I should be looking for in order to get buttons that look in keeping with the item rather than having to make it all first. I love the coloured line drawings that show all all the different options and the different styles of the different animals, the fashion flats. And also there's lots and lots of photos in the pattern showing um, photos of some of the coats that people have made. However, what I did find a bit unusual was that the, the fashion flats had three button loops and buttons on the coat, but the actual pattern only had two. It only had placement for two. And 
was and the instruction said to cut two of the button loops or more if desired but I had seen the the flats and thought yes that's exactly what I would like it to look like obviously I'd forgotten that there was three in the picture and only cut myself two loops and then later on realized when I came to assemble it that I needed to make myself another loop so that was one thing that I did find a little bit odd as part of it there's also colouring pages for the for for children. I haven't yet printed those out and let my daughter have them. It wasn't until I was actually looking back through the pattern today to remind myself of all the different things that were in there that I actually spotted that at the end. So I may have to print her out one now that her um, rabbit coat is finished so she could colour a picture of her in her rabbit coat. I'm lucky that my daughter is a typical size, so I only needed to print out the age five coat as that's the size clothes that she is wearing and her measurements worked for that and were great. So didn't need to print several sizes and do any kind of um, matching together and, and altering in any way as she just fits a standard size. However, I did need to refer to the pattern piece diagram when I was trying to match the different sheets together as there are notches, little triangles that join up the sides of the pages and they worked great, but there wasn't um, numbers or letters so that you knew which pages joined together if you weren't looking at the, the diagram. I tend to work away from the computer when I'm actually joining my pattern pieces together and and assembling the pattern itself so it was a bit bit frustrating for me that I had to go backwards and forwards but I know that that's common with a lot of patterns Um, sometimes it's one of those things where you get used to a pattern that has the um, ways of joining it without needing to look it up and suddenly when you get one and you're like oh I don't know how these fit together and you have to kind of go back and have a little bit of a look to get the the pieces joined up to the in the right places. I decided to raid my stash and see if I actually had enough fabric to make the coat. I love needle cord and I have collected several pieces at different times when I've made my daughter dresses and and bought too much than what I needed or I've seen it sometimes um, remnants and collected some needle cord and I was very pleased to find that I had a lovely kind of pale beige creamy colour that I could use for the main part of the coat. I think it's kind of might even be called a mushroom colour. I don't I don't know the exact name, sorry, but it's a kind of lovely pale creamy grey colour that I was able to use for the main part of the coat. I also found some brushed cotton that I had been hoarding. It's not quite as fluffy as flannel, but kind of somewhere in between the two. I'm calling it brushed cotton and it's only really fluffy on the side where the where the print is rather than on the other side, which is often the case with, with flannel fabric. Um, and I had been hoarding this fabric. I bought it about 12 years ago when I was visiting America. Having After I'd lived there, I went back to see some friends and bought it. And I loved it and been wanting to put it into a quilt and never got that far and finally decided I was going to use it on this coat. And it does look great. And luckily, I didn't need all of it in the end. So there will still be some left that I could put into a quilt at a later date. Unfortunately, there wasn't enough to do the whole of the lining with it. So in the end, I decided to line the hood, the sleeves, the inside of the pockets 
And I then found another piece of fabric to be the main body lining. And this was the back of a blanket that I had bought when I got married. I made my bridesmaids dresses and maid of honour dresses. And as it was a winter wedding, I also made each of them um, cloaks to wear and found that the, the fluffy cream fabric that I wanted was cheaper to buy as a blanket and just cut the top off it and use that. And I had the lovely backing of this blanket, which was kind of a bit like a fleece, but kind of fleecy on one side and smooth on the other. And I have loads of that. So that was great to be able to use that for the body part of the lining and will also keep her much warmer in the winter. And I added another piece of the brushed cotton, a kind of semicircle just below the hood in the back of the um, the body so that it, the hood blended into it and looked a bit more like a garment would look if it had been bought um, from a shop. And I'll try and get photos of that. I've just realised that the photos I've taken so far have just been my daughter wearing it. So I might see if I can get a photo of the inside of the coat so that you can see what I'm talking about in a bit more detail. I was very pleased that I had everything that I needed. So all in all, this coat cost me nothing because everything that I used to make it, I already had somewhere in my sewing room. I did find cutting out the pieces very time consuming. I often think that it's going to be the sewing that takes the longest but sometimes just cutting fabric seems to take way longer than you anticipate and although the pattern pieces had a grain line marked on them they had double-ended arrows rather than a directional arrow which made it more difficult for me to decide which way to place some of the pieces particularly on the hood so that I had the nap of the needle cord running in the right direction. Now that I've finally worked it out I've actually marked that on my pattern pieces so if I make another one in the future that uses needle cord or any type of cord then I'll be good to go to get the the fabric running in the right direction and the nap correct for it. I'm a bit lazy when it comes to using other people's patterns. I like to have everything done for me so I can do as little work as possible and just kind of use the sewing for relaxation rather than having to use my brain particularly to work things out. The instructions themselves were very clear. There were photos showing the stitching lines. Many of the photos have also had the background removed so you just see the piece themselves, which I know takes quite a long time to extract the main image from them, but also help to make those diagrams and images very, very clear. And as I said, lots and lots of written um, detail to help with that. I did have some problems adding my sleeves. For some reason, the two pieces um, did not want to fit together particularly well. But I think that a lot of that was to do with how stiff my fabric is. I did cut little notches into it to try and help um, fit the things together. But I did struggle with that and they I did have pieces kind of hanging off the end that in the end I just trimmed off because I just could not get them to fit together well. However, with my lining where I was working with the brush cotton fitting onto the fleecy fabric, I had no problem at all and they fitted together just fine. So I think it is probably the fabric that I was using and getting frustrated as I'd been sewing for quite a while and spending time cutting and everything else, that possibly it was me rather than the pattern pieces themselves not wanting to fit together great. I chose not to put the applique detail onto the pockets. Um, Many of the animal designs either have claws that can be added on the pockets or kind of like 
pad shapes um, for like for a dog or a rabbit. I, I'm not even sure if there is a dog, but you know what I mean. There was there was shapes, applique shapes that I could have put onto the pocket and decided to leave those off. Um, I did find I had to really think about where I wanted to place the pockets, as there wasn't a pocket placement line on the on the pattern pieces themselves. Obviously, I just laid it out and then had to kind of eyeball and decide for myself where I wanted the pockets to go. But like I said, I do like being lazy and having everything done for me um, as to where I need to put things. And again, as I mentioned earlier, there were only um, two of the button loops marked on the pattern, whereas the um, the flats had three. So again, I had to kind of work out exactly where I wanted them to go and how long I should have those based, poking out based on the size of my buttons and all of those things. However, I have to say, even though I've mentioned a few things that I found more difficult, overall, I really, really enjoyed sewing this coat together and would happily make another one of them in the future. My daughter's had lots of lovely comments when she's been out wearing it and she really enjoys using it as well and wearing it and at the end of the day that's the main thing that she loves it she's happy and I think she looks great in it too. I have also made her another coat after that which was more complicated um, but I will share about that coat in the next podcast and hopefully it will be less time before I record it again hopefully I'll be able to record that in two weeks time so I'll share about that coat then. So for the final part of today's podcast, I'm going to share with you um, one of the tools that I enjoy using and I'm sure that all of you will use this particular tool as part of your sewing and that is an iron. I know some people think that they can leave ironing till the end or not iron at all. Um, having seen some of the designers talk about um, pattern testing and things and some testers who don't iron their, their finished item at all. Um, most people I know do iron their um, garments and if you want to get a really good finish on a garment it's really important that you iron as you go along and iron after each of the different steps. For me I tend to use a travel iron. When I'm in the in my sewing room I don't have a great deal of space and I have a small smallish sort of I think it's a 12 inch or perhaps a little bit bigger than that um, square that has a cutting mat on one side and an ironing board on the other and I tend to use that when I want to iron small things and love my travel iron. You can get iron small irons in craft shops that look just like travel irons. Um, I think mine came from Argos in the UK and it was a travel iron. You can add steam to it but I don't tend to, I just use it as it is. And I found that this size iron was great for the coat that I've just finished making when I needed to iron the button loops in half and then fold the edges in and get the button loop all ironed before I needed to sew it. If I had been using a regular iron I would definitely have had very burnt fingers by then. So it was great that I was able to to iron those small intricate things without getting my fingers burnt. Occasionally I will put up the large ironing board in here and use the larger iron particularly if I am doing much bigger items and find that I need that um, ironing board to stop the 
different pieces hanging over the too much and kind of getting in the way of what it is that I'm trying to iron. So I do have a regular iron that I use as well. My mum has often joked that I iron as I'm sewing better or more than I do iron the rest of the time. I have to say I'm very lucky my husband does his own ironing. We don't have a tumble dryer. We just try dry things either on the line or inside using the dehumidifier to dry things. So we do need to iron particularly cotton items otherwise they could be very very creased before they needed to wear. Most of the clothes that I wear though are ones that the creases drop out as you're wearing them so I tend to put things on and only if it really really needs it do I iron it do enjoy ironing my daughter's things. I don't know why, but the cute little things for her and somehow it just makes me feel all mumsy and happy when I'm ironing her clothes. So hers get ironed, mine less so. And as I said, my husband does his own ironing. But I do use our main iron for sewing as well when I need to sew larger things. I have also got a very small iron. Um, I can't even find it at the moment to be able to to show you or tell you the brand and things like this. But I bought it back when I was quilting a lot more regularly. And it has a very small kind of diamond shaped plate on the end. Um, and it was recommended at the time for me to buy so that I could do stained glass applique on my quilts. Never even got as far as stained glass applique. And it's in a drawer cupboard somewhere. So I did have a very, very small iron, but I have to say I haven't used that. But I know that some people enjoy using that tiny little iron when they want to do very intricate things as well. So definitely recommend getting an iron that you like to use, that you feel happy with, comfortable with, that you can adjust the temperature to the temperature that you need. Top tip here, always iron on a scrap piece of the fabric before you start ironing on your real item. Discovered that one the hard way when I was making my bridesmaids dresses and using very delicate fabric. Um, Luckily, it was in an area that was a small piece and didn't require a great deal to fix it and sort it. But um, you do not want your fabrics melting because you've got your iron too hot, even though it looks like it's on the right number. Sometimes different irons vary as to how hot they are on the various numbers. So always iron something first and just check that your temperature is correct for that particular time of ironing. Even if you've used that setting 100 times before, it's always really useful to quickly iron on a scrap piece before you put the iron on the project that you're actually making. And at some point, I really do need to invest in some pressing hams. Um, When you're ironing curves and things, and particularly over shoulders, it does give a much better finish. I still haven't got any. I think I need to put that on my Christmas wish list and probably find some that I would like and direct people towards it. Or otherwise, I know that there are various different ones on Pinterest so you can have a go at making them yourself. It might be that I decide to try one of those tutorials and make myself some pressing hams to help with my pressing when I'm making my various different things. I think that's all I've got to say for today. I could ramble on and on, as I'm sure you're aware. I'm quite happy to talk. I laugh that my daughter never stops talking, but I think she obviously takes after me in that respect. So I'm actually going to stop there and and we'll speak to you more, hopefully, in a couple of weeks with the next podcast. In the meantime, please come and join us at the Facebook group, Bishy Barnababes Patterns. Just search for that and then hopefully you'll find us. And if you're not in the um, PDF promotions 
and trying to get the proper name right and I've moved my piece of paper out of the way because I've gone on to a second PDF pattern sales and promotion group then come and join us there and keep an eye out from the Bishy Barna Babes PDF love and hopefully I will see lots of things that you have made being entered in that and as always if you'd like to leave an iTunes review that would be greatly appreciated to help more people find the podcast or if you'd like to donate to the podcast that would also be very much appreciated and come and join the newsletter and get the free pattern that you get with the newsletter and all of that because any of the patterns work for the PDF love. Anyway, I've gone on far too much today and take care and I hope you have lots of fun in your sewing room or everywhere, anywhere and everywhere that you get to sew. So speak to you next time and bye-bye for now. Mm -hmm.